Welcome in, golf fans. We've got episode two of the Live Golf Preview, event number two for the 2023 season. I'm here with my boy DB to break down Live Golf Tucson, brand new course. We got some inside intel this week on exactly what we're going to expect. DB, what's going on, brother? What up, Joe Idoni? Happen to be back. Uh, happy to be back with you. Um, you know, I thought the I thought the last video we did, it actually did pretty well. You know, I mean, there were some. We made fun of Liv a little bit with that dumb team picker thing that they had. Um, we had a good time doing that, I think, uh, and we had a good response to the to the video. So we're back. Hopefully, win some absolutely money. overwhelmingly positive. Excited to be back here to break down the odds board uh, again with you this week. But um, exciting segment to sort of start the show. So. Um, we actually, you were able to interview Benji Thompson, who is the caddy and Augusta boy for Abraham answer this week. Um, let's go ahead and cue that up and then we'll come back in and talk about some odds. Do it. What's going on golf addicts. DB here. I got my boy, Benji Thompson, a fellow Augusta boy, or I guess North Augusta guy, right? Benji, uh, joining us. Yeah, live. A little both. He is uh Benji's a good dude. He's a caddy for Abe answer on live. And we're going to talk a little bit about the golf course today. So first of all, Benji, thanks for coming on. Appreciate the time, buddy. You got it. Glad to be here. Thanks so, for having me on. Of course. So um, tell us about this this golf course in Tucson, what you've seen of it, and uh, maybe what kind of player it best suits. Uh, yeah, so I buzzed around at once uh, without Caddy and walked around, checked it out. Um, and then... Caddy at eight holes yesterday with eight. He played one through four and then 15 through 18. So saw a few holes on each side. Um, from what I've seen, there's a there's a good bit of mix. Uh, the golf course is pretty much wide open. Um, tee balls kind of, I mean, there's a few bunkers in places, but it's pretty much wide open. Uh, the greens are really, really firm right now. We're supposed to get a little rain this afternoon, but I think the greens are going to be firm this week. Um, so that's going to be uh, favoring a high ball hitter. So some of these bombers and high ball hitters are probably going to do pretty well around here. Um, but then there's a good mix of, like, there's a couple uh, holes that are shorter, so not drivers off the tee. Um, and then I think there's one, maybe two drivable holes that they can make drivable. So that's going to be interesting to see what they do there. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, winning score predictions, uh, what range would you say? I mean, obviously, three. we got to remember it's three rounds for those listening and watching. So, um, yeah. Uh, winning score thoughts on uh, on the setup that you see it so far. It's funny you ask that because me and some guys the other day were talking about it. I'm, I think I'm the absolute worst. I suck at trying to guess what the winning score will be every week. There's some weeks I'm out there walking around. I'm like, oh my gosh, this golf course is hard, and then they shoot 20 under. <laughs> uh, so if the golf course stays firm like it is, the greens stay firm and fast like it is. I mean, I would say if you shoot four or five under each day and get it to 15 under, you got a chance to win. Um, but who knows? I mean, as wide open as this place is, some of these boys, I mean, go out there and make a couple of eagles in a round. I don't know. It could get to 20. But I would say right now, give us 15 under, and I'll let Abe sit in the clubhouse and drink tequila and wait and see what they do. <laughs> what, uh, what about those greens? So, I mean, like in terms of size, in terms of what, t- what type of grass we're putting on, what, how are they rolling? Um, and maybe, you know, are, are, you know, are they, are they undulating or are they kind of flat? What are we looking at here? So the greens are pretty big, which is going to be good since they're so firm. Um, they're really quick. They're big, but they do run off on the edges. So you might see a big, huge green, but you have to come in two, three yards to actually where the green is, because if you get over by some of these edges, it's going to run off. 
Um, the good thing is it's not shaved around all the greens, at least yet. So when it does run off, it's not going to run off 15, 20 yards. It's just going to kind of go off four or five yards right off the green. Mm-hmm. But it's like a green inside a green on a lot of these greens. But they are undulated, too. There's some mounds um, and some pretty good spots for approaches. There's, there's a lot of downhills um, and then some runoffs, like I said. So big greens, which is they're, they're going to need it this week for firm green. Is it bent grass? What is it? How's it? Yeah, it's bent, it's, it's bent grass, like with some overseed stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fairways are, yeah, overseeded rye, I think. So, how do you feel? It's green. I, I mean, you caddied on how, how long did you, how long have you caddied for Abe? Uh, right at two years now. And then how long, or, and who were you with before Abe? I was with Kevin Chapel for a little while before Abe, and then um, worked for Ben Martin some and Lexi Thompson Lexi. over the years. Mm hmm. What, um, compared to like the PGA tour, like pin placements, where, where, like, do you think, do you, do you see Liv setting it up similarly for these tournament rounds, like tucked positions and, and, um, you know, finding these, these difficult pin locations or are they, are they making them a, a little more friendly? Do you, have you noticed that? They're not any friendlier. Um, they, <laughs> they've actually, they've challenged some of these edges and put them on some nice slopes and, and uh tricked it up a little bit but the uh it's i mean it's pretty similar for the most part because we do have some of the rules officials i'm not going to throw any names out there but some of our boys have been on the pga tour for a long time rules officials made the made the jump over as well so it's pretty similar yeah what's the uh so what's the total what do you think is what's it going to play the the course yardage i mean obviously one thing will be on the scorecard but it may play shorter than that what what uh Again, I suck at that. I never know the part. I never know how long the course is. <laughs> okay, just get the ball in the hole, Abe. Come on. Yeah, exactly. There's 18 holes. They all got to play the same hole. Um, I would guess it's going to be somewhere in the 72 to 74 hundred yard range. Has, um, um, how, what, how's how's Abe been playing? How's he been? What's he been doing in terms of like preparation for the the new live season? Um, I think he finished like 17th or something at Mayakoba. Not a bad start. Get things going. Talk, yeah, he actually he's playing really solid. He uh he won that Saudi event and played flawless. And then in Mayakoba, he uh he played. I mean, he played really really solid. He just had three golf swings. He hit two balls out of play with the tee ball, and then uh, Ruff grabbed his club with a four and hit a tree on the twelfth hole on Sunday and threw it out in hazard or whatever. So he had three swings that were three doubles. If he makes pars on those three holes, he finishes third. So mm. um, yeah, he's playing really really solid right now and. I actually think that he's practicing more since he's made this jump. Like when he goes home, he used to like take time off because he was playing three, four, five weeks in a row on PJ Tour. But now he's got time off. He's actually practicing more and playing more, I think, at home than, than he would on the PJ Tour. I mean, there were a number of weeks he'd show up and I'd unpack the golf bag out of the travel bag and it wasn't touched for an entire week from the previous tournament. Yep. I was going to ask, I was actually going to ask you, like, because, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's one thing that, I felt like I saw firsthand when I went to the live event in Miami and I walked with Harold Varner and Charles Howell. And I, I came back and said, listen, like from what I could see with my eyeballs and what I could hear, what I was listening to and paying attention to, to all the guys in the groups that I was walking with, it, it appeared to me a lot like when I've walked in the ropes with guys at a PJ tour practice round, like they were all trying to figure this shit out. Like they were trying to, mm-hmm. you know, understand where to hit the ball, where not to hit the ball. How's this going to play with tomorrow's wind? And and you know, where's the spot on this green? You know, around this green, we we cannot afford to miss. And uh, you know, they're hitting different putts. They're hitting different uh, chip shots from around these holes. Like the argument that you know now these guys have have come over here. They're playing less golf, and so they're just like, 
doing nothing or they don't care or they're, or they're not preparing. I, I was going to ask you about that, but it sounds like, uh, you know, Abe's getting in more practice and, um, and, and the rest, which is important. Yeah, I think during the weeks out here, um, we are playing practice rounds with your teams and stuff. And like you said, when they're out there, they're, they're paying attention to spots on the golf course. Hey, we don't want to be here. We want to be here stuff like that. And you got like, cause Abe's on Sergio's team with uh, Eugenio Chicara and Carlos Ortiz. And when we do play a practice round, it's like all four of them are kind of talking to each other. Hey, so we do this, don't do this, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and then all the caddies were all kind of looking at it together and trying to help each other out. So there's, there's a good bit of preparation that's going on kind of versus to what we used to do. How's your, uh, how's your Spanish? Uh, not good. I'm still working on my English. <laughs> it's Georgia uh, redneck English. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to learn any Spanish. I can imagine like if you're, if you're doing practice rounds with all those guys, like there's pro- they're probably switching on and off between English and Spanish. And you're just, you're trying to remember Lakeside high school, Spanish 101 and 102, maybe. Man, thank, thank God for, uh, Glenn and Mikey Kerr, the caddy for Sergio and, and Carlos, because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have a clue what's going on because that's the only people I can talk to English to for nine holes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What do you, uh, like, what's, uh, we've had, we've had live, a couple live caddies on um, before, but like, what's something, you know, you're, you're coming in now to the second season here. What's something in terms of the caddy, I guess your job as a caddy or your life as a caddy that's different? Uh, or that that you've um, you're, you're grateful for, whatever that you know, with with the situation you're in now, live. What I've really enjoyed is I've I've told people if you've ever worked uh, Ryder Cup, Presidents Cup, I've done Solheim Cup, like team events. But then if you've ever been to Tiger Woods event, there's only like 18, 20 players. I feel like it's a mix because there's only 48 players, 48 caddies, or whatever. I feel it's almost like a, a small brotherhood because. PJ Tour events got 144, 156 players every week. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing. There's so many guys. There's so many good guys he's never even talked to. Yeah. And like out here, there's no caddy area. It's all player, caddy, dining. So there's some mornings that you might see two or three caddies sitting there with Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson eating breakfast that you'd never see. Um, and as far as last year, we all stayed in the same hotel. This year's a little bit different because teams are kind of breaking it up and doing their own travel and stuff like that. But it's almost like a little brotherhood because I'm hanging out and eating dinner with with caddies that I've never even kind of been around that much. But a lot more relationships, and it's just a small brotherhood that everybody. I think everybody's enjoying. Yeah. Are you guys? Um, and I, I forgive me for not knowing. I could look this up easily. Are you guys playing Augusta? We are. Okay. Yeah. Abe Abe finished thirtieth or thirty first, something like that, at the end of the year. So he got in. Okay. Um, and then after he won Saudi, it jumped him up inside the top 20 there for a little bit. So yeah, right. he's playing. Um, what are you looking forward to about that? What's, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm biased about that golf course as being my favorite. Cause I started catting out there when I was 16, but, uh, I love the masters and that golf tournament just because of the, the history and everything behind it. But, uh, I mean, every time you go out there, we went and played last week, he played with Joaquin Neiman and Mito and. And even just walking around out there with them, I just, I just love it. So definitely always look forward to caddying. I think this will be my fourth. Okay, for Ben Martin, he was an amateur in 2010 and then two with eight so far. So, yeah, this will be my fourth one. I didn't, I didn't know you caddied there uh, when you were younger. I, I caddied there two years in college, too, 07, 07 and 08. Were you there? Uh, trying to remember. I did part-time through high school and college, and I did a, I did a little bit full-time after. 
hell I could have been. I don't remember. Yeah. I think I, I went on through. I was all. I, I got a real job there for a little while. I was kind of stuck with that. So I went back to that before I started tour petting. So. I, I always say, like, if, I, if I'm healthy enough, like, whenever I'm retired, I just remember being a caddy and being in there and, like, looking at the retired guys and just being like, I want to do this when I'm retired. Yeah. I, I want to oh, yeah. come here, caddy, like, twice a week, but be at the caddy house six days a week, playing cards, <laughs> shooting, you know, shooting the shit. Having fun. That's what I want to oh, do yeah. when, I, when I retire, if I'm healthy enough. Uh, exactly. I definitely will. Have you, have you, uh, I mean, obviously a hot thing that people have been talking about that I'm, I for one am excited about because I love the, I love the chaos. It's just the, you know, the first time we see the, the live guys and the PJ tour is going to be at Augusta here in a few weeks. Um, yep. Anything like anything you've heard or seen about, you know, guys coming in with like kind of, even more motivation or kind of a chip on their shoulder to say like, you know, we're not like, we're not, we're not bad golfers all of a sudden, you know, like we're still world-class players and we're going to come here and kick right. people's ass and show it to you. I think there's, there's probably a lot more buildup than it's actually going to be. I mean, I mean, for the most part, I think all these boys are just going to be going there to, to prep and get ready and try to win the tournament. Um, I, I'm sure there's going to be some needling and cutting up with each other, but I don't see any of the, PGA Tour boys going up and talking shit to any of them, really. Um, I think, like I said, just be some kneeling and cutting up. And it'll, it'll be a good banner um, yeah. between them. And I think it's, it's actually going to probably bring a lot of lot more interest and, and, and whatever you want to call it to the tournament. I think it's going to be cool just to see them all back together for once. You know? It's going to bring even more, which is crazy to think about. There could be yeah. even more interest. Um, I think you're probably going to see Tiger, and then we're going to have that going on. It's going to be electric uh, here in Augusta right. for sure. So, uh, well, cool. Benji, we appreciate your time. Wish you the best of luck there in Tucson, you and Abe. And uh, maybe we'll have you on again. We're going to need some help with some of these golf courses. So, yeah, you got it. I'd come back anytime you want me. All right. All right, my boy Benji Thompson, bringing the goods. Uh, Benji, Benji was quite the player back in high school, too, by the way, Joe. Uh, we talked about this a little bit offline, but um, he, uh, he, was, he was a good player caddy at the national in high school um and i don't think he was supposed to i think he just figured it out and then caddied a little bit beyond and i mean dude the guy's been on the bag for lexi thompson he was on the back for her when she broke out on the back for ben martin um but really good stuff from benji benji thompson he's a funny dude I'm, i've got to get him back on the show and do like a full-on like stories podcast with him because he's just he's he's pretty funny um but so basically you know i mean the gallery golf club here in tucson he talked about I mean, to me, Joe, it sounds like bombs away. Let's let them fly, baby, because uh, Benji basically said it's wide open. It's let it rip. It's driver heavy. Obviously, it's in the desert, and there's trouble in the desert, but it sounds like there's plenty of runway for these guys to hit bombs. Talked about the greens being pretty firm today uh, as he was out there, but but said they were pretty big, which is good. Uh, <clears throat> um, other than that, I mean, and then on the winning score thing, you know, I kind of asked him to predict that, which he, he admitted, admittedly said he was bad at, but he could easily see it getting to 15 under, um, so five under a day potentially. Uh, and then even said if somebody got real, real hot, possibly 20 under, which, uh, you know, we might – I mean, Charles Howell got to, what, 17 in the first event? You know, you, you think these guys might show a little rust. You know, he got, he got to 16, might show a little rust, but um, who knows, man? I mean, any, any other thoughts from you? Yeah, so a couple interesting things I took away. One, um, the fact that that um, he mentioned that Abe is actually being able, finding more time to practice now yeah. and kind of been able to hone in on your craft, which 
I wouldn't have anticipated he would say that, but makes a lot of sense in reality, right? The guys are not on the grind sort of traveling each and every week now anymore, so it gives them a little more time to hone in. Liv is kind of like, I mean, we're at damn near 7,500 yards on a par 71 this week. That is long as hell, DB. So they're they're kind of um, embracing a lot of these longer courses and a lot of the setups that play. But I wanted to ask you about one of the things he said that I thought was really interesting is this idea of the team concept in sort of early in the week and preparing for a golf course, particularly with the caddies, how they're able to sort of come together and cohesively develop a game plan, which I think is unique to live and that they're sort of, it's very secretive on the PGA tour in terms of what you see as advantageous for the week versus we get to an event like live. Everyone's kind of pulling together and sort of sharing notes and being able to figure out the best way to attack a new golf course. Yeah, for sure. I, I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, and he he talked about he kind of recalled experience with the Solheim Cup with Lexi, and I think maybe a President's Cup with Abe at one point. And you know, we we know they do that at at those events, right? Like we know all those caddies get together and um and and talk through certain spots on the golf course. But yeah, Benji kind of walking us through and saying, you know, he's doing a lot of practice rounds. I even I even picked on him there because uh, he was saying how. He's he's pretty much exclusively playing practice rounds with Sergio and and Carlos Ortiz and Eugenio. I, I said, "How's your you know?" I said, "How's your Spanish, Benji?" And he was like, "It's freaking terrible. My redneck's pretty good, but my Spanish is terrible." He's like, "Thank God for he named two other caddies that that can help translate for him." But yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're all you know very much working together on this thing. Um, there's obviously a lot of incentive for the teams to play well, and with the teams kind of funding their own expenses and such i mean he even briefly kind of glossed over that but he talked about how uh you know he was in a certain hotel and other guys were at other places and and it was all really based on team travel setup so it is an interesting thing um you know yeah that that's and that's why we're we're talking about this like there are parts of this that are interesting even if you know even if even if we don't love all of it um there are parts of it that are that are interesting and they're just different for guys like us who've been breaking down golf and handicapping the same old you know golf tournaments and and players for however many years absolutely a different aspect always a little bit refreshing in a sense so we get the gallery club this week um and we mentioned the length we mentioned that um he provided a little insight because when i look at the website db it looks to me like typical arizona golf where mm-hmm. you miss the fairways by a little bit of a good margin and you're in rocks you're screwed like you're you're taking a drop in some situations because you want to break a wrist or a club um that said, the fact that it's wide open and will allow for bombers is going to play like Tucson ain't that far from Mexico, believe it or not. It's a, it's like a little less than an hour away from Mexico, but it is going to play a lot different than what we saw at El Camilion in terms of I think these guys are really going to be able to unleash driver on a lot of these holes and not have to worry about the trouble quite as much like they did at the last event. So it's going to play. A lot differently, I think. You know, we have like almost six par fours that are over 400 yard, 450 yards. Excuse me. A lot of them reaching that 500 yard mark. Big advantage this week, I think, to the guys who can hit it far versus the last event where we saw a little bit of bump for those guys who are able to pound fairways. 100% agree. Yep, I'm with you. And Benji, Benji said he did. He wasn't sure if they were going to quite tip it out to that, but. Um, I mean, we were both there in Miami and that, that one, I think on the card was like 76. And I want to say like, I walked it the day before and all the tee boxes were set up pretty much maxed out at least for one day. So, um, I'm sure we'll see it fluctuate a little bit, but 
Um, probably more in that 70, you know, 73 to 7,400 yard range, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. So anything else that you pulled away from the last event at Mayaco, but obviously your boy, Charles Howell gets the victory, sort of his maiden victory with Liv. Um, Peter Uline has like been steady and Liv tour finished second there. Brandon Grace third, Paul Casey with a really good finish. I noticed I'm looking at some of the live golf stats um, where he was really good in terms of driving distance. He was fourth in fairways hit. He was second in greens and regulation. We hadn't seen that performance out of Paul Casey um, in a little while. Newcomer Brandon Steele finished fifth, like outside of Charles sort of getting that win and that cool moment with his family there to sort of get in the winning circle. What do you think you pulled most off the first event of the season? Um, I mean, I mean, Charles was obviously the the surprise, and I mean, you know, I, I actually watched probably his entire back nine that day um, because it was Charles for the most part. I, I think I was watching. I remember, if I remember correctly, I had uh, I had my computer in front of me doing getting ready for the next week. I had the PJ Tour event that week on the TV, and I had the live event on my phone through the app. Um, and, and, and I thought, you know, I, I was excited to see Charles play well and, and, and do something, you know, I was a little, I was a little surprised that we didn't see Mito do as good as I, I thought he was going to do. I, I thought Mito was going to kind of come out hot. Brandon Steele was really the one you and I talked about it on the last show on, on the first show, kind of how these new guys seem to come in and there's, there's yeah. a little bit of extra motivation. Um, but that didn't quite show out except for maybe with Brandon Steele, I guess Sebastian Munoz did okay. Uh, but I, I was hoping Mito would do better. He finished kind of, you know, I guess upper middle of the pack at 16th. Other than that, I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really have a whole lot of expectations other than I wasn't expecting Charles Howell to win. Yeah, neither was I. I wish I was because um, he had a decent betting price yeah, coming into the week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Charles obviously just he he just pounded greens. He had 43 greens on the week, which was five more than anyone else in the field. Um, of course, made the most birdies in the week and was in the top ten in driving distance. Man, Charles, oh, can, no, the old Charles it. can still get it out there. Dude, he he is a flusher. He's always been a flusher. He's always gotten a lot out of his frame. Like he's not a big guy. He's not. He's actually probably he's not as small as maybe some people think, but he's just kind of average. But he just he just doesn't miss the center, man. He's a he is a flusher for sure. He's a crusher, actually. A cr- excuse me, a crusher. Well yeah. played. Well played. Uh, so what do you if think, they buddy? Were, you if they were flushers, the- would they have, like, toilet bowls on their on – their, would the toilet bowl be the icon there? If they were- of course. I would have put it past them to, for the flushers. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. Uh, yeah, let's open it up, buddy. Let's get into it. All right, let's look at the odds for this week. So um, depending on the book that you're looking at, I've got the top of the board. Actually, shockingly, uh, Cameron Smith and Joaquin Neiman at the look book I'm looking at over at Bet Online. Dustin Johnson is 12 to 1. Those two guys that I mentioned first are 11 to 1. Paul Casey is also 12 to 1 on the heels of a good performance. Then we have um, Abe Anser, who we obviously just talked to Benji about at 18, coming off a good win over there in Saudi as well. And then Charles at 18 to one. Those are the guys sub 20 to one this week. Um, have you sort of figured out a strategy in terms of betting the top of the board? Are we getting to the point where like, obviously I think the PGA tour and guys that have bet the PGA tour for a long time, it like, I'm starting to think it may be time to sort of reevaluate strategy a little bit, right? <laughs> We're seeing Scotty and Rom and yeah. all these favorites yeah. hit. Are we there with live yet? Or is it still, still could be long shot season. Oh man. Um, I don't think we're it's there. Stink, don't it? It does. I, I don't think we're there with Liv yet. Um, there's just everything's just so such a small sample size, and 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 even though like I doubt there's another 
piece of content or a show or an article you're going to read that's going to give you as much insight on the golf course as Benji gave you. But we just there's a lot of we don't know about these golf courses, you know. There and, and there's we we don't have we don't have years of play on these golf courses from relevant days, right? I think this this course hosted a WGC in like '07 or '08 or whatever it was. But I, I so I think because of those variables, I still think we could, you know, and and just the variance of live in general like to me it's just not an automatic thing that that it's these it's these short these short numbers have we even had have we even had a, this have we have we had a two-time winner on live yet i was thinking about well that. i think dj if you count the championship right but the championship was weird because it was only team but not in the individuals yeah so i mean you know, even that's interesting. I mean, DJ sucks at, at Mayakoba, right? I mean, he was terrible at Mayakoba. Yeah, he was not good. Um, Cam Smith was was okay sort of in that final round, but mm-hmm. overall he wasn't great either. He didn't hit a lot of greens. He didn't hit a lot of fairways. Um, I think this is a much better course setup for both of those guys. But, you know, the one that I pulled the trigger on was, was, was Abe, man. Not just because we just really? had Benji on. He gave us a little bit of insight there. But I think this is a... a um, even though the length of the course is there, I love the way that his sort of current form is shaping up. When I look at some some stats from basically his last, like, I don't know, 36 rounds, pulling data from everywhere that Abe's played. So some of the European tour stuff, uh, some of the Asian tour stuff in that event that he played, obviously the Saudi International. Um, he's gaining over a stroke off the tee per round, which is more than anybody else. And that's not necessarily what I would consider his wheelhouse to be. Now he hasn't been putting it great, but I think in a week where um, maybe there's a little bit of understanding from his caddy in terms of the large green surfaces, just, just gain, continue to gain strokes off the tee at a course like this. And I think he should be set up uh, maybe a little bit of pressure last week in Mayakoba as well to carry the torch. I think 18 to one's a fair number. I've seen some 14s elsewhere. So that's when I pulled the trigger on that one. So, so you're not worried about maybe a little lack of pop, pop in the bat for old Abe. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really not, to be honest, I was looking at, let me look at the driving distance numbers from last week and see where he ended up ranking out because it be, wasn't nearly as, yeah, I mean, those might be just cause you don't really, you know, you, they, I don't know. If I remember a little skewed. Yeah. Isn't my Coba too? Like it, there's not, it's not always a, a rip driver kind of situation if I remember correctly. Absolutely. No, not at all. But when he like this, actually the live golf stats show his, his longer drives, which I assume he took driver on Um, round one, he hit one three thirty two. round two, three twenty three. round three, three ten. So I think he's got it in there. Um, I just think the other strengths of his game and the talent of the level of player he is like, I link, I think he's a better player than Paul Casey. Um, so when you have those two guys, one at 12 to one, one at 18 to one, I'll take the couple extra points. Yeah. I, I don't really love anybody up here, honestly. Um, so I, but I love the next bunch. Um, so I don't, I don't hate your analysis on answer. Um, I had Charles Howell, not just one in my Coba. I would probably think Charles could be an interesting play here. You would have got him at a longer number than he is right now, around 22 to one on DraftKings, but because I, th- I think he's a good fit for a place like this, but I, d- I don't know that I see Charles winning back-to-back live events. I don't, I don't know that I see that yeah. in the cards. Um, you know, Mito's kind of up here in that range with with answer in the 18 to 20 to one spot, but he was a little disappointing as well. I, so I don't know that I want to do that. I, I start to get excited when we get to like Thomas Peters range, 
Yes, I took Thomas Peters. Have you bet him as well? I like him. Thirty-five. He's up to thirty-five on DraftKings. If you if you're in a legal state where you can get where you can get DraftKings, he's thirty-five. Which, by the way, I don't think we talked about it on the last show, Joe. But in terms of legal sportsbooks stateside, there's only like four or five states that you can bet a live event on. Um, and I can't yeah. remember what they are, but there's not there's not many of them. So uh, we probably need to talk about the numbers on the uh, offshore books as well. But uh, Bavada has him at 25. DK has him at 35 to one. Okay. Yep. I'm actually seeing 22 to one. So we're seeing a lot of like differences there. Uh, I'm trying to share my screen here. If you could allow that DB just mm-hmm. to kind of pull the odds up so we can kind of look at it. So here's what I got over bet online, but you're right. in that you have to kind of go offshore for a lot of this stuff. Uh, Thomas Peters at 22. Brandon Grace, 25. There's Steele at 25. Steele uh, is Reed and I like Uline at 28. Uline's been, I mean, I kind of given the guy a lot of grief over the years, Uline. I feel like he's just been a very underwhelming player, but, I mean, he's definitely come close in a couple of these live events, right? But I, I like the Steele number two. He was another one. Peters and Steele, 25 for Steele I like. Um who else is in that range? Is this so we get, correct me if I'm wrong, we get one more event, I think, here in Florida before the Masters, right? Uh, do we? Yeah, I think it's the week before the Masters at Orange Tree National, like outside of Orlando. Nice. Let's take a look. Uh, so you you yeah. got to think a lot of these guys, like yep. I'm thinking the bigger names um, are, are starting to sort of gear up because yep. that's going to be a huge week for these live guys. Like I'm looking at Sergio right below there. I'm looking at, I'm looking at Brooks Kepka. I can't yeah. skip past him. Look, we're on like a, a, a bombs away type course. Yeah. And Dude, I got to take Brooks at 30 to 1. I, I, I can't I can't see Peter Uline and Brendan Grace and Brendan Steele up there at lower odds and just ignore the 30 on Brooks. I can't do it. What's funny is I'm on I'm on Wait a minute, where is he? So on Data Golf, if you sort by their true odds, they've got Brooks way down there. They've got Brooks. What do you mean? What do they got about? They've got Brooks's true data golf odds at like six, almost like sixty-four to one in in like the Tringali, Ortiz, Stenson, Bubba range. I don't know, man. I I don't. I, we'll see. Yeah, just to be seen. I I had this strategy with him um, last year because I did bet all the live events, and it was like I just continue to bet Brooks because I feel like he's going to win one of the eight tournaments last year. And and when you didn't see it coming, he kind of broke through. My COVID ain't a course for Brooks. No, and, um, and this you place wonder, is a much better setup. Just from a narrative, let me just get into in the you know the narrative side too. Like since since uh, since the last event, full swing comes out, Brooks catches yeah. a lot of heat for his episode. Um, and whether he's going to ever admit it or not, I guarantee you he sees it all. And and I could I could see him playing with a chip on his shoulder, wanting to wanting to do something, wanting to prove something as soon as possible to, to get the to get the conversation away from his you know his his look on Netflix and on his game possibly being being back. Um, yeah. As much as people will give him credit for winning a live event, but you know being back. So I, I think that's I think that is a, a very bettable number for sure for Brooks. 
Yeah, especially getting back into the part of this year where we're, we're starting to get to major championships because the way that that kind of episode was narrated was he was the guy in majors and he lost it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's embarrassed walking out of the Masters and it was like he's in the lowest of lows. So, you know, like he's got to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder to kind of want to get that back. I mean, he was he was 47th in the field out of 48 guys, keep in mind, in terms of fairways hit at Mayakoba. Um, but the dude still managed to hit some great 16th and greens and regulation. So even if he was missing, um, that kind of leads me to believe, you know, we get limited stats DB, but that kind of leads me to believe some of the iron play may be a little sharp and on a course where he was still up there in driving distance inside the top six guys of the field. So it leads me to believe that a better setup for him um, should produce better results. I'm hoping. Well, I, d- I don't want to, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but I just think it makes sense to lump in with the Brooks conversation at an, at an even longer number, Bryson. Like, yeah. when are we going to see, are we going to see, you know, he, since the last event, he's gone public with his equipment changes, right? He did that cheese ball video that he, you know, you can always count on him for a really good cheesy-ass video. But, for sure. Um, you know, he's, where's he at? He's at 45 to 1 on a, on a I immediately thought of, my mind immediately, when, when, when Benji started talking about the golf course, my mind immediately went to Brooks and Bryson. Like, I just went, yep. Brooks and Bryson. Like, if, if, they're, if they're back, which, you know, I've been very critical of how they've played. Like, they've not been great at all. Bryson especially. But if they're, if they're back, if they're truly starting to, like, peak, at a, you know, peak and get ready for Augusta, this could be a great spot to catch him at a big number at a live event. I mean, 45 to one and a 48 man field for Bryson and Brooks is pretty it's crazy. Strong. Yeah. It's crazy. Last week in these, or last year in these live tournaments, I was on Bryson a lot too at like 20 to one in every event. And it was just like, look, I trust that he's working. I trust that he's um, practicing. I trust that he's trying to get it right. And the impact of going from PGA Tour to live, I don't think is going to affect his routine or his schedule. Um, And we know the upside. I mean, the guy won a U.S. Open like two years ago. Um, It's there. He's the the longest guy on any tour in the world. Um, So 45 to one at a place. And that really like is same with you. When you told me that you got off the phone with with Benji and um, he said this place was wide open, my mind went to the same two players. Yeah. Um, what about this mid-range? I mean, you've got Carlos Ortiz. You've got Dean Burmeister. I kind of liked Burmeister I last did. event. Is he a bomber? I did too. Yeah, he is. He he crushes it. Uh, well, he, yeah. he whatever team he's on, he stings it. Or what what team is he on? I don't I don't freaking. I know. think he stings it. Yeah, he stings. I, I don't have any idea what teams these guys are on. Most of them. Uh, yeah, he's a stinger. He oh he stings it off the tee. Um, yeah he. <laughs> yeah, Bur- Burmester kind of caught my eye too. Thir- what is he? 30, 30 to one. Thirty three. 33 on here yet so the odds like it's a good if you have multiple offshore accounts um it's a great idea to shop live you mentioned DraftKings has odds in some states as well Uh, but you see some big discrepancies out there that you may not normally see with pga tour i think the volume is less i think the 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 handicappers themselves are maybe putting in more of their their time into other events so you can kind of catch them sleeping on a couple guys yep i'm not a big fan like i I don't really, I'm not really buying like Ortiz in this range. Um, my heart wants to go to, go to HV3, but I don't, I've been seeing a lot of like, he's just, I don't know how much, I don't know. 
I've been seeing he's doing a lot of off the course stuff with his foundation right now, and I, I don't know. I don't. I'm not really mm. interested in in HV3 right now. I would love to say Bubba because the number is good and the and he's a long hitter, but he did not impress me at all. Um, in uh, in in my Coba coming back from his injury, I guess that was his first event. However, this is interesting. Datagolf has him at sixty, like basically sixty-one to one, which is about that where is he is. That's like about where where he's rated. Everybody else they have it longer, so that puts him in the. I'll tell you where. So they're so they're putting Bubba in the same. They're putting Bubba just after Louis, Peter Uline, just ahead of Stenson and Kepka. I don't think I agree with that. I, don't, I need to see I don't more think from I Bubba. But that's interesting. Yeah, I need to see if there's more refs to develop. What about old Project Pat uh, nah. down there in Arizona? Nah, nothing for nah, you. I'm not buying that, dude. Not even off a good week in my nah. my Coba past Powell and Pat. That was he loves that jam, place. Right? Yeah, fuck. he loves that place. I guarantee you, this long course, he's he's not he's not feeling that. I I am interested in Chikara down there, sixty to one. Yes, why? Uh, I mean, we've already seen him do it. Like the young kid's got chops. He he hits it a mile too. I don't even know where he finished. Where did he finish? Where he, he finished twenty ninth. Not great um, for Eugenio, but I mean. 60 to 1 for a young bomber that's already won on live. I don't I don't I don't know. That that one jumped out at me. Um I'm not going to fall for Tringali again. Watch him win. Now. I know. Whoops. We both were all over him, weren't we? What about Is Horsefield any good anymore? Like remember when he used to be good? Yeah. He's 100 to 1. He hits it a long way. He does. He does. What he finished last week? Uh, let's look for horse field. I feel like it was at the bottom. Uh, yeah, 45th. Okay. Not, not good. It's interesting because you get these guys at 100 to 1, right? And you think they have to beat 48 guys. And I would argue you could probably cross out eight of them. No yeah. chance. Yeah, like David, David Puig, you got no chance. Sawan uh, Kim, Chase, Chase Kepka, Jediah Morgan. I mean, Scott Vincent's not winning. Laurie um, Cantor. Yeah. I, I would Graham even McDowell say, sucks now. I would say on a course like this, it. Dick Bland ain't winning. Yeah. Graham's out at a course like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're talking about 40 guys max. Yeah. Yep. Three days. <sighs> less holes. Does less holes. Do you think less holes brings in more variability? I think it does. Uh, I think it does too. I was actually talking about this today on a show because I was like, um, we were talking about first round leader bets and I was like, you know, Look at last, last week at, at Sawgrass. Freaking Chad Ramey was your first-round yeah. leader, right? Because anybody, any, any one of these guys can go low for a day. But then over four rounds, over time, who was at the top of that leaderboard? Freaking Scotty Scheffler, Terrell yeah. Hatton, Hideck. It was Max like It was like the cream of the crop, right? So I think the more you have, the more rounds you have, the more the cream continues to rise up to the top. So I think, yeah, I think the three-round thing might add in more variance. Nailed it. I think it gives the long shots a little bit more life. Like if, if Sawgrass was eight rounds, like it's going to be Scotty and all the familiar names, but if it's two rounds, hell Adam Svensson might win. Dude. Oh, (laughs) I was thinking about you. I should, I should have texted you. Now I will say this, Pat, Pat fully bought into your Svensson selling. I mean, he was like, he did it. He, we, we, he bet on him. Uh, he hit him top 20. 
I think all, yep. all based all on you. So and, I, I. and I kind of gave you some shade, I think. I don't know. I don't remember if it was that week or another week, but uh, no, yeah. you did because I came on uh, the Better Sports Network show with you guys. <laughs> yeah, and you right. were like, that's "Give right. us a long shot," and I was like, "Spencer, well, you sold Pat. I, you sold Pat. Good for. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, look like the stuff. I look like the sucker there." Yeah, it was a classic mush by me. I will take credit. for You that. did. Oh, um, you did mush him. I just thought about that. You got. But on the thing Twitter. was, dude. All right, I've. You've been him. in this right, game too long to do this. But uh, look. I knew Adam Svensson wasn't winning the players. So it felt like a, a mush that I was like never confident he was actually going to win. So I was, I was like sarcastically joking. Um, he was, he was never going to win dude. Joe, I put on a master class of mushing and anti mushing at the Honda. <laughs> when we had Chris Kirk, when we had Chris Kirk at, at 35 and we really needed Chris Kirk to hit, and Eric Cole was starting to pull away, and then the playoff situation. I, if you go back to my Twitter feed and look at the timeline of that, I like Chris Kirk should send me wine. I should he should be <laughs> mailing me wine from Athens. It wouldn't be expensive. It's an hour and twenty minutes down the road. I complete. I mean, I gave it to Eric Cole early in the round. I think it was like number eleven. I was like, Eric Cole's winning. It's all over. Done. Reverse mushing things. Starting to mush things. Then the playoff happens. I start going. I start doubling back on some things. Masterclass. When I saw you post that about Spinny, I was like, oh, "This is over." It's over. <laughs> it's over. Two holes later, it's a triple bogey. I had to do it myself because I faded Morikawa like big time last week publicly, and then he goes out. And I mean, thank God. I was like thanking God for Chad Ramey on day one because it, it was the only thing that kept Morikawa from being your first round leader. <laughs> and I'm, um, yeah. So then I was like, "Oh, he's already he's going to win this thing. It's over." Because I needed him to lose, and then he, you know, shoots even par over three days. But what about um? All right, let me. I'm going to pull up real quickly, like the team odds in this, because actually, Bet Online oh, yeah. does does offer these. Um, so four aces is the favorite, um, plus three fifty. Crushers is four hundred. Like I think this could be a fun way to to kind of bet and sweat live. Actually, if you if you start to do it and find an angle in it, torque plus six hundred, fireballs plus six hundred, range goats. I still can't get used to the range goes, man. Plus 600. Uh, Stingers, Ripper, Smash, they're all down there. How about the high flyers, 28 to 1? You got any belief in old Phil? Uh, I have belief in Phil. I don't know about Piot. Who else they got? They got Steel. Um, they got Tringale. No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I like, I tell you, I like, um, I mean, the, the Crushers really have, to me, the Crushers have a nice advantage. Um, I think so, too. I was looking at that, dude, and if we're talking pure driving distance yeah, ranks, yeah, um, they had three Crushers guys finished inside the top eight Yeah, um, in Mayakoba. So Hal, Casey, and Bryson all bomb it. Um, and Lahiri is, a, Lahiri is maybe one of the most solid fourth players on a team. Agree. Now here's yeah. I think I like the fireballs <laughs> next. Yeah, I love the balls, man. I got a fireballs logo back here. Let me show you this. <laughs> <laughs> I got we gotta see this full screen. Oh yeah, I think I remember when you did this. Didn't you make this like right after it happened? <laughs> Look at that. We did uh some at my work we did some hats for live. Um and they have these little embroidered patches and I took a fireballs hat. So I'm I'm team balls, man. <laughs> 
I like it. I mean, I think uh, I think it's either the fireballs or the crushers here, and I, I don't really know that I would have any interest in putting money on anyone else. Um, I mean, maybe Stinger it would be the next one, but I don't love it. I'm trying to pull up DraftKings now just so we can kind of look at a little bit of pricing, um, and then we'll sort of wrap things up. But uh, do you, do you play DraftKings any differently for live than you would do for a PGA Tour event, given that like it just just the formatting stuff, or do you kind of look for the a lot of the same stuff? Honestly, man, I've I've gone into DraftKings both uh, earlier this week, yesterday, and last week or the last event at my Coba, and I've I've just not played because I don't see any prize pool in there that is at all sexy to me. I, I don't. Yeah. It's really low, and I know, and I know that this is like a chicken or egg situation. We faced this early in the in the PGA DFS days with 2015, when you know DraftKings was like, "Well, we need more players. We need these things to fill so that we can make the contest bigger." But then people were like, "Well, we don't want to play until the contests are bigger." So we were all, you know, we're all just, you know, wait, holstering our weapons. But um, I haven't seen much that's that's enticing to me. Let me see what you got here. Let's make a lineup here. What do you right. say for the uh, the pitch and putt? This is a twenty dollars contest. Cam Smith eleven seven, DJ eleven five, Joaquin Neiman. Who do you want to Who do you want to start with up at the top? Is like our big gun. Um, I mean, I'd probably say either. I'd I'd say I'd like to have one of Neiman or DJ. I mean, you're you're a big answer guy, but I don't know. That, I mean, I don't know that. But playing both is two of those guys is going to be good i think we're sleeping on dj a bit oh i'm not sleeping on dj i mean i'm not he's the best player in live he was the best player last season yeah. he's coming at a course where it's bombs away yeah um oh click the button let's go let's start with Dustin. 11.5 huh jeez yeah expensive right let's see who's cheap though yeah let's go down to the bottom i like that uh first guy that makes you stop i mean feel a little bit just because of the bomber field makes Arizona. me stop Horsefield does after the terrible week in Mayakoba. I mean, hell, didn't Phil beat him? <laughs> Did Phil beat him? Oh, geez. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. Horsefield finished 45th. All right. Hold on. Forget Phil, Horsefield. Phil finished, Phil finished 27th. We're going to need one of these guys. Why not Phil? Phil shot four under on the last round. Let's roll. I mean, again, you're in Arizona, too. So you have the Arizona and the bomber narrative. Right. I mean, let's, let's, All right, let's, let's roll do Phil. that. All right. Let's keep going. Let's see what we got sort of here in the meaty range. Mm. Brooks or Bryson or both? Oh, uh, where's, where's Brooks? Brooks is nine. Brooks is nine grand. Bryson's 8,300. $700 price break there on Bryson. I don't, I don't, I don't mind either one of them. I'd, I'd, play, I'd play either one of them or both, depending right. on where it leads us. I think you like Bryson there. I'm going to say that Tom Peters is too yeah. cheap here. Yep. Let's do he's that. He's 20 to 1 basically to win, and he's 8,600. Love that. What does that leave us? Tommy P. All right. So we got 7,600. I got my eye on left. Burmester there if we can get up to it. Although I like, I like uh, Eugenio right there. Eugenio. Anybody lower than him? Not on that screen. Yeah, I don't love anyone lower nope. than Eugenio. Eugenio is the lowest guy. So if we so Eugenio gives us seventy nine hundred, which gives us Stenson, Weisberger, Lahiri, 
Leishman. Hmm. Ugh. Tough sled in here. Um, I don't love those. No, but we can't go lower than Eugenio, though. Lower than Eugenio mm-hmm. is bad. Do you like Eugenio? Yeah, okay. I do. Okay. Kid's a stud. Yeah, he is. All right, well, then we got to make a decision here. Um, I mean... You know what? I'm clicking Mark Leishman. Okay. Okay. I'm All not- right, so we got Dustin, Phil, Bryson, Peters, Eugenio, Mark Leishman, bombs away, enter 20 bucks, don't dupe me. I feel like that would be a pretty... Um, I feel like that would be a pretty... I think we'd have some leverage there. I think we have some leverage with Leish... Eugenio, Phil. I, I bet we have some leverage in those three guys. Love it, dude. Uh, anything else before we wrap up out of here for this week? That's it, man. Appreciate you. Enjoyed the show. Enjoyed it as always. Check out Preferred Lines, podcast, all the goodies. Let's have a good Appreciate week. Appreciate it. Let's Great stuff going on in the Nut Hut. Got the matchups in there now. Been red hot on those. Um, you've been crushing it as well with the top 20. Like. It, it's the place to be, man. The live chat on Wednesdays, you put in a ton of work there and, and all the success and the people that follow it closely is, is well-deserved. So um, great stuff for you. Great stuff out of, out, out of everything that we've sort of seen this week. It was awesome to sort of hear the interview with Benji. We hope to be able to bring you more of those segments throughout the year to give you a little bit of insight on not only the course, but sort of the team aspect and what's going on within the players and within the caddies, because I think it's important to kind of sometimes hear their voice and not some of the, the talking heads media that are so closely attached to the PGA tour that sometimes paint a false narrative. So it was very interesting to hear his sort of perspective on things and, you know, how the, how things may be a bit overblown and how they'll be received at Augusta national in a couple of weeks when, when the tour, all tours sort of make their way into your neck of the woods. So excited for that coming soon. Yeah, Benji told me uh, when we got off. I said, "Look, man, I might, I might call on you for every one of these." He said, I, "He said I'll do my best." So, um, if we, if we, you know, uh, we'll, we'll at least get something out of Benji. I bet every, 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 every tournament week. Love to hear it. That's the difference. Appreciate you checking out the live show for Tucson. Best of luck. We'll catch you guys next time for for DB. I'm Joe Idoni. We'll talk to you guys later. Peace. See you.